Hi, my name is Soye, and you're listening to Heart to Heartland, a fan podcast from a fan perspective. Welcome back to Heart to Heartland. This is the second part of my recent interview with Ada Marino, aka Rick Adderley. So if you haven't listened to the first one, go back and do that now. And um, yeah, I'm just going to keep this short because I know what you're really here for. Um, In this part, we talk about getting ready to film an episode, being on set, and the response to Rick's character. Enjoy! Let's talk about Heartland a little bit, because you... Oh, not that. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> I guess we're going to wrap it up. <laughs> no, but um, you live in Toronto, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you go back and forth between Toronto, or is it Toronto? I don't know. I say Toronto, and I will yeah. never change how I say that, but they say, <laughs> people from Toronto say Toronto. But I'm but finished, so very I can weird, get away. But it sounds very weird. And I think the rest of Canada call it Toronto. Yeah, so deal with it. Um, deal with it. Yeah. You go back and forth between Toronto and Alberta to film Heartland, obviously. So uh, a lot of your time is spent on planes and cars and hotels and trailers and all that stuff. So how do you pass that time? Because it's a lot of waiting and, you know, nothing's happening because you have to be kind of passive. I think it happened at the perfect time where I didn't have to overthink how long it was because it it happened at the beginning of the pandemic for me, Mm -hmm. the traveling. So when everyone was locked down, I was going back and forth. So it was a real luxury to be doing something. True. And I'll never take that for granted because I know people went nuts at home, but I was off to the airport like I was the president or something whilst everything was locked down it was like nuts do you get what I mean like yeah. how is this an essential service Rick Adderley I was like <laughs> but <laughs> you're like well, but was, whatever <laughs> they want me so I'm gonna go there but no, um so those moments and the planes were always empty so it was that was always like a real luxury at that point but Last year, I must say, I really fell out of love of the traveling back and forth because I was in the show more, but I was also back and forth more because shows obviously have a budget. For characters like mine, they want me in and out because any down days in between, they have to pay you if you're not where you live. So say if I was shooting on a Tuesday, they'd have to fly me in on a Monday, go to wardrobe. So I'd have to get paid for Monday, Mm. paid for the Tuesday day of filming. And then say if I was shooting in Maggie's on Friday, you would think maybe they keep me there Wednesday, Thursday. Sometimes they don't because they would have to pay you. So Mm. they'll send you home Tuesday night on the red eye and fly you back Thursday mid-afternoon. So they don't have to pay you for Wednesday, which in the grand scheme of a television production is nuts to me. And I still will never understand it. Sorry if anyone from finances is watching, <laughs> but to me, I don't get it. Just just pay me, honey. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but they won't. So that was, it was tiring, you know, because you're trying to remain fit. You're trying to stay active. 
for someone with me who struggles with food and staying stuck to some kind of fitness because I go up and down like a yo-yo you probably notice from my on-screen appearance all the time I'm one minute I look like I need a meal and the next minute it's like put the burger down but I think you're overthinking it because you know you always look at yourself with you know that kind of lens but I'm very critical over it because I know how much I can fluctuate Mm. But so that was irritating this year because I couldn't keep a routine because when you're flying in at 11, like 11 o'clock, I'd leave Calgary. So I'd come, I'd land back at like three o'clock in the morning here. So then you're just knackered. Then you've got to deal with the dogs and you've got to, Mm. so I wouldn't say I dealt with it very well. (laughs) I tried to get a book, but But we know (laughs) someone was judging me on my book choice, you know, like on a plane. You have to have those like, um, folder, like folding things well, that's well what it's I will do this year something else like something. i had do you know who miriam margulies is yeah i think so that right she has the bristly hair yes yeah from harry potter yeah um and she's so funny and she wrote a memoir she's like an 85 year old jewish british woman yeah she's hilarious so i was like oh, well i'll get that book that'll ease me in i love her everything that she says is funny but every time the front cover is this woman just kind of like <laughs> And so it looks like a very odd book. And she's not really famous here in Canada. So every time I get on a plane. No, but that's are... that's a great icebreaker. Like people are like, what are you reading? Oh, no, I do not like talking to people on planes. Oh, like, no. yeah. Okay. That is Fair. not my thing. And because I know I'm stuck there for like four, four and a half hours mm. on the plane. But no, so books were out of it pretty soon because I was like this. I don't know why, but I was insecure about my book choice. <laughs> <laughs> I say screw it just do it so normally I, on the iPad if I'm organized which I'm generally not <laughs> I will try and download some episodes of like Love Island or something <laughs> so I watched a season from years ago that I'd never seen because I was in Canada and years ago you couldn't watch them but again it's that insecure thing where I'm sitting there watching as like mid-30s now Someone's like and there's like a 20 something year old girl walking around in a bikini yeah or like they're snogging their faces off and there's me trying to be all like yes I'm on heart man yes yes you're right. <laughs> I'm very Wait, aren't you the guy who <laughs> Yeah, so I, can... I look like a no. father. I'm just watching Love Island. <laughs> like, you don't get it. So yeah, it's um. I found the key to traveling is not overthinking it, not organizing it, <laughs> and that's not it a good advice. <laughs> but the anxiety and the unknown of am I going to make the flight mm. or what time is someone picking me up makes it all go so quick that by the time I'm there, it's over. So Probably you're not... a very unhealthy way of doing it, but that's how I do it. Kind of sounds like it. Because <laughs> I always listen to music or podcasts or stuff like that. Because right. when I'm reading a book, I get very sleepy. You know, I get sleep. But right. Yeah. But I'm tall and Heartland are cheap, so they put me in economy. I have to pay for extra legroom if it's still available. And normally mm. Heartland will only book my flight like two days before I go. So I'm not really that much in the know. So by the time they book, those seats aren't available. So I'm normally shoved up by the window in the back with Shit. like 
Solon Janice from Red Deer, and it's always a pain. You need to start doing yoga or something, so you can just toss your legs over your shoulders or something. I'm hoping this year, maybe I, because I know people like Nolan, they sit in business, so maybe I just need to speak to my agent. I don't、oh, know. You should. You know, you ha- <laughs> you have your reasons. You know. Well, I mean, it would also be so I could arrive to the airport a little bit later because I I have missed a flight or two. Wouldn't、Which、believe that about thought... you. <laughs> I know. I thought that was always like something in the films or the movies. Yeah. But in the last two years, I probably missed. I say twelve planes. No, I was thinking like maybe two or something. But... No, and two of them were from just season fifteen when. I was still going through the rough part of dealing with after the divorce and whatnot, and I was sort of, even though you guys probably didn't know, but season fifteen was probably the worst year of my life. Even though it happened in season fourteen, fifteen was where I was sort of dealing with it,、mm. and so I was oversleeping lots, and、oh, so yeah, why, there was probably two or three times where I'd wake up and I'd look at my phone and be like, ten、mm, past ten, and the plane was at like nine thirty,、no. and I'd be like. No, no. Like, if I miss something once, I'm gonna be there like two hours early because I'm so nervous that you know that that well, feeling. I did this year. I、yeah. really made up for it this year, and I was there regardless if I had a checked bag or not, like two and a half hours before, and I'd be sitting there, um, making sure that I was making up for my bad decisions the year before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope no one from like another production is watching this. Been like, well, we can't fly him well, out of. <laughs> He'll never show. <laughs> well, speaking of,、uh, you know, working on a show,、um, when you get your scripts, how do you、yeah. break down the process of bringing it to life? Well, it's tough with my character because I don't get to know the overall arc of the season, whereas some some of the main cast definitely do, and they're probably more involved in it. So when I get it, it's probably ten days before we shoot, on average, because that's the turnover of scripts、mm-hmm. being、um, sent out to cast. And then there's probably three to four rewrites in those ten days, and you can have a rewrite literally the day before you shoot your scene. So that's something I've learned and definitely can handle now. But at the beginning, I found it really tough because. What I do is, as soon as I get the script, this is probably a bad way to do it. Have you <laughs> noticed a thing? This is like case study on how to not live your life. <laughs> well, first of all, not environmentally friendly. I can't learn on a screen. I'm、yeah. sorry, I can't. Michelle drives me nuts. She can have her iPad, and she'd be like, "Oh, can we just read this scene that you're not in tomorrow? But we just help me." And I'm like, well, I can't do that. Like, I can't do that. <laughs> but she just lands on a screen, and I get how it would be so much easier. But I can't. So I have to straight the way my little printer downstairs, very retro. I straight the way go through and find my scene. So I just type into the Adobe Rick, and then print. So first of all, I do that, and then I highlight my lines, and it has to be yellow. I've tried different colors. For some reason, has to be yellow, and then. I should have a system, but I realise I do it many different ways. <laughs> but、uh, let's just go for one of the ways.、Yeah. So then I'll highlight it, and then I'll put them in order, and I'll do it in one of two ways. So then I'll figure out by location. Then that will help me when I realistically will be filming the scenes. So it won't be necessarily chronologically. I'll 
might be like, right, those ones are in Maggie's. Those ones are in the office. So then I'll put them together. Yeah, because and... don't you like shoot like three days at Maggie's and then studio yeah. or something? Yeah, and normally all of the, where you are right now, <laughs> um, they're normally crammed into one day. Even if it's over two episodes, we'll do them all in one day. So that's, and I normally know that they come at the end of the block. Yeah. Normally save studio shots till the end of a block because all the moving parts of location and weather and whatnot, they try and get those out of the way. So I leave my studio scenes to learn till the very last minute. I'm so prepared. <laughs> but my Maggie scenes, I definitely, they're the ones I start with straight away and yeah. I'll pick which ones are meatier. And then I record Michelle's or whoever's voice into my phone mm. and try and like it's it never works to a science but and then I'm quiet for my lines and I'll be like mm. try and count how many and then I just constantly listen to it and say the lines over and over and some days it's so weird I can learn it within 20 minutes like the longest like you know the scenes when it was the flood and I was having yeah. to give like that speech I learned that within like 10 minutes but then there'll be short snappy scenes where I barely say anything. And can I remember it? Can I learn it? I just can't do it. Yeah. So I'm going to be, I'm still like, I don't really have a system. So I know. Yeah. Or I'll get it printed at Staples, the full script. And then I'll put little, you know, the color binder things. Yeah. Like where I am. And someone was like, oh, that's smart. Does that color mean like a certain emotion of where you are in the journey? I'm like, no, it's the only ones that they have. To me, this stuff is like very interesting. So I've kind of watched a lot of behind the scenes stuff and all that. So I've heard different versions of how to learn the lines because some people have someone else there to read the other part or, and then someone scribbles like, you're feeling like very sad at this moment and all that. So it is interesting because, you know, you film them, you know, it's not like this happens and this happens right. but it's like a mess so that's why you know this is interesting to me i think the more last season i was more aware of what i was doing in each episode like where i started and where i needed to mm. finish whereas in the earlier seasons rick didn't have much substance so yeah. it didn't matter where he was going like he because he wasn't going anywhere he was mm. literally in it for the moment and supporting michelle's moment he wasn't having his own this season he was, so I did need to be more conscious of that. But you need more meat in order to get into it more. Yeah. And I don't have it. And that's nothing against Rick, but he's just not there yet. So I'm yeah. hoping this season, if we get one, that there'll be more for me to be like, right, what do I want to do with this? Where do I start? Where do I finish? But look, I just found one there. And so that's literally all I do is just highlight um, it. But I don't like put notes. So some people, like, I think I would probably say I'm the only person who doesn't. I see other people's scripts and they're like, they've got like smiley faces or like a sad face or they'll have like lines through to symbolize this is what's happening or this is the beat. I don't even know what a beat is. So it's just <laughs> like, you know. Sometimes I'm like, because, you know, if a character gets hurt, they might be limping or something. So Right. Some people probably write those in like remember to limp That's because true. you're hurt and all that so but yeah even things like when I'm 
like had coming in with flowers or props and it's written in the script mm. I don't even god I'm bad aren't I really I should <laughs> really should be probably maybe be better this year I don't know I'm still learning as long as I know the lines I want to have the freedom of doing whatever on the day that's how I justify it yeah and you, you know, know whatever some... works for you you know Who's and sometimes say... directors don't want you to have like a set way mm -hmm. of how it is especially Chris Chris Potter as long as you know the material of the lines that you are saying and as long as it's flowing in you those words he can literally say, can you do it this way? And it'll be completely different. And so to have that freedom to be able to do it is so important because some people come in for like day player roles and they just have it a certain way because that's how they auditioned it. Mm -hmm. That's how they prepared it with their acting coach. And that's to them the only way it can be done. But then when you get on set, you've got to deal with the anxiety of being on set, first of all. And then a director coming up to you and being like, can you do it this way, actually? And some people just can't do it, which I get, but you've it's definitely a skill. And that skill, I think I have. Yeah. So I, that's the most important one, because that is the core of acting, having that openness to see what happens. And that's why me and Michelle have a lot of fun, because we can do scenes two or three ways. And it's until we watch it, we're like... We did a funnier one than that. Like, well, where's that one? But I would imagine, like, directors like Michelle or Chris, like, because they've done it, they know the language you have to speak to the actor and sort of what you want also from the scene as the, well. The way that she knows to speak, because as an actor, you're in a very different position to see when other people are directing, how they're talking to all the different members of cast as well, because normally everyone else is actively listening to what they need to do and their responsibility. And in those moments, the actors are just sitting there like, well, I've got nothing to do. <laughs> so yeah. you get to see how everyone's feeling, if they're feeling heard, if they're feeling seen, what needs to, what maybe they could do differently. Not to be like hypercritical, but I feel like it's such a unique position to be in as an actor, because then what if you ever do direct, you know how to speak to cast, but also crew in a different way. How to communicate and make the flow so much better. And Michelle and Chris have perfected that. And I think the benefit of them being on this show for so long. Yeah, I think it's the show like no other with where cast direct. It's such a weird, um, but amazing combination. So you've been on the show for three years now, uh, and you've kind of had this journey not on. You believe that? Like that's how long I went to university. Like, yeah, such a huge part of my life, and some actors don't ever get that. It's yeah. so nice. three years, and fingers crossed for. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we need more, Rick. But um, you've had this journey as an actor, but also through Rick, you've seen the response and everything. So how does it make you feel to see a positive response to Rick? And is there like a message you want to send out to the young LGBTQ plus audience out there who might be watching and, you know, I mean, seeing you themselves or... You probably know I found, I have struggled with the whole responsibility of it in the yeah. last year especially but as I said earlier it's about flipping the script of not putting it so much on others and be just being authentic to myself and that helps and it's very freeing to then see it from that lens because I found it I did notice actively that the more it was not throwing in people's faces it was literally just mentioned that Rick was gay 
and yeah. it was very cemented that that's what he was so that there was no nuance to it like no he is gay mm. I noticed like people who would always usually comment on posts they suddenly disappeared and so I would even get to the point where I'd be like where's that person gone and mm. I'd look and they'd unfollowed so I started to actively notice this really is making not necessarily a positive difference but it's making yeah. a difference it's making people either love or hate it or understand it or question it. So that's where I struggled at first because I was like, oh my God, homophobia still exists. But I think oh, we yeah. have got to a point where we sort of believe that it has sort of gone. I think because we had it sort of a lot worse. Now it's like, look at the kids nowadays. Yeah. Like they've got it so good. But really it is still something that is in every generation we need to work on and be aware of yeah. for every minority uh, specifically with mine it's i'm just hoping that kids i know it's cliche but what gay people did we have on our tv growing up in tv shows that wasn't a caricature if they were or maybe it was alluded that they were camp and gay but they never had a gay storyline so that's why i'm happy that they did the adoption thing this year i just hope they give it more substance not substance in the adoption but substance in who rick is as a person so that not only the lgbtq youth watching but every single part of the community that maybe don't understand it that they understand that rick is just like anybody else and you may have a tainted lens of how you're viewing the world based on your environment and how you were brought up but mm. to use critical thinking of why do i think that and what is so bad about who rick is as a person yeah and what like is, why does it matter person? in a way because this family exists and many of them do. People like Rick have existed since the beginning of time. Beginning of time, before a certain book was written, people like Rick existed. So to pretend like he doesn't or shouldn't or can't or should be left out of this, I just hope that people just start to, I mean, again, it's so hard. You can still see I'm still struggling with the mm. because. It's trying to put it into words because, again, I said I'm not focusing on the people that don't understand it, but that's where it automatically goes to because we want people to understand us. Yeah. We want liked. We want to be understood. We want to be seen. And that's something that's hard. So I just hope that the youth watch it, see themselves on screen or a part of them and think, oh, that's okay. That's normal. Yeah. Because we've never been told it's normal. And we're still being told it's not normal. So I hope that the way that it's written is shown that it is just part of life and it is part of our society. Yeah. It just needs to be done responsibly. And I just think that responsibility isn't mine. I would really have loved for them to work with gay adoption, like charities and groups and organizations and things like that. And I don't know how involved they get in that. But I think that would be a really nice thing to do to make sure we are taking the responsibility seriously. Yeah. Uh, and depending on what my storyline would be for season 17, if it happens, I'm hoping I get more of a heads up this time so that then if there is something that I know is going to challenge the audience, I can then do my due diligence and responsibility by reaching out to certain groups and understanding it more. Because when I found out about the adoption this year, that I didn't realize it was definitely going to happen. And so I had concerns in 
episode 14 when we got the script for 15 of what race the baby would be for example i was like okay there are many different moving things of this where nowadays it's not culturally appropriate to like be angelina jolie and go shopping children you know like we need to do this properly Mm. and we need to understand the issues that this raises um and they were like no no no, we've got you we understand so i did raise that that we need to be culturally sensitive and understand the issues around adoption so yeah i think that's what i'd like to do next year if we get one is just to be a bit more involved in the societal responsibility yeah makes sense yeah Yeah, totally. And I was thinking for me as a member of an audience, as much as I would have loved to see more Carl and Maddie, it's like the storyline just, you know, happened. There was no like conflict because of, you know, the LGBTQ aspect of it. So I would see it as a, you know, progress because it's like it happens. You know. It just so happened, right? Yeah. So I love that, but obviously, you know, hoping for but more. Obvious. And that's what I think I loved about it initially. And now I think I'm going the other way because I loved how it was just two men who happened to be adopting a baby. Mm. And I love that. But now I'm starting, because I've seen the reaction of some of the fandom, I feel like we have a responsibility to not make it that easy because obviously there are some yeah. people that are never going to accept that. So we need to challenge it. That's so true. So I would love, but I don't know if this is Heartland Universe and you'd probably be able to inform me more than I, which is probably a terrible thing to say as someone. <laughs> but this season, if it happens, I would love to see someone like Chris or Sean or someone have a problem with mm. Rick being gay mm. and challenging it. Yeah, because your character is a little more comfortable, you know, in the universe of the show. So it's not like like you were allowed to exist as who you are before, you know, this happened instead of it being a problem, like right from the start. Right. Like I spoke earlier about my grandma mm-hmm. having a prejudice against my life. So that's why I can't tell her just because of the label. Maybe Jack has that. So even though he's like, oh, I, Rick's lovely, he's nice, but I don't agree with it. Yeah, or it's like even surprises to, you know, let's say Jack or Tim or whoever. Like, they're like, oh, you know, I like Rick. But then they're like, wait a minute, I have this thing that I haven't really understood that it's kind of homophobic or something. like Right, and it, working through yeah. it. Yeah. But again, maybe that's a too much of a deep issue for this show. I think considering, and I wouldn't have ever wanted that to ever happen until I saw the reaction, some of the Heartland fandom. And again, maybe it's just not, it's me wanting to be accepted and realizing that Rick isn't me, Mm. but Rick represents so much of who I am. So it's kind of hard to separate that. And that's what I do find difficult with playing this role is as much as he is a character and it's someone else's words and it's a different situation and he's a lot more camper and that in the moment and a bit more look at me, Mm. he still represents who I am, which is a gay guy trying to fit in because that at the core is who Rick is. He's struggling with never being told that he fits in and lagging his way through using a facade and humor to make people like him 
but deep down you know rick must have a lot going on in there you know because he's he's just not talking about it you know yeah so different avenues and ways that they could explore that but you know they gotta get amy a man first (laughs) yeah it's just like interesting because you know growing up and following different kind of lgbtq stories on media there's been like progress and it's great like not every gay guy dies or like trans person gets beaten up and it's like we want to see the happy stories in my mind it's kind of like we're past those like sad stories where you don't really see a future for yourself and it's you know it's like lovely to see uh rick in a you know happy marriage and new new baby and everything but it's at the same time it's kind of like oh but this is is this my own bubble that i've kind of you know because this is like i that's how i was yeah that's how i thought in 14 and 15 that's exactly where i was like well this is where we're at now you don't need to address it so in your face because it just so happens to be yeah now i'm like rick needs to be beaten up at the rodeo grounds (laughs) you know like yeah it's complicated because it's like can we like move on already from those stories but at the same time it's like no it looks like we're you know still there on some level so Someone messaged me, it was someone who was part of the community, Mm. and she messaged me and she was quite upset that I hadn't responded to certain bigoted comments online. And she was, you know, silence sometimes can be louder. So it's that thing also, because I sort of do agree with her at some points. That's why I find it hard of what to say and choose my words properly, because if you don't say anything, you're sort of allowing the bigoted mindset to have this platform and hiding behind it's my amendment to say what I Mm. like. Yeah, but you can't be an idiot while you're saying it. And it's also like kind of, I would imagine that, you know, you having to probably face that on a daily basis. Like, when can I just, you know, live my life instead of, you know, fighting these people who don't understand, you know. Well, I got into a faith soile where, I was a place in my life where maybe I had or maybe I hadn't, but I'd realized that was only one part of me like it is a part of anyone, whether Mm. you're straight or gay or whatever. It's just a single part of who you are and it doesn't define you. But I've realized with this role, it has started to define me. Yeah. And I'm wrestling with how that makes me feel. And I'm still trying to figure that out but I must say the show's um new showrunner Mark Mark Haroon he called me last month and checked in with me and made sure because he had been brought to his attention some of the social media comments Mm. because it's literally every comment Heartland put if I'm involved in any way just a picture of me it'll be what's this stuff what's this woke 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 look at what woke means first of all please but he ch- he phoned up and checked and because he's not active on social. But it's good to know that someone who's at the helm is behind this, yeah. shows this story, writes this story, believes this story, supports this story. And also we discussed like who decided that this show was for a certain demographic of mm. people. There is nothing about religion in this show. Yes, the value is family and Rick is part of a family. But it, it it's like, well, don't other people have families? Like everyone has some kind of family. And I think especially with 
a lot of LGBTQ stories, there's this aspect of chosen family, which is also like, right. you know, something I enjoy seeing on screen. So it's kind of like there are all kinds of family. Like even the family isn't necessarily very traditional. Like people have well, divorce and like moving parts of that yeah. family. I mean, Georgie, she's adopted. Mm. You know, we have the return of the infamous long-lost Shane. Mm. This shit. You know, there's all those different elements, and Shane didn't even see his half-sisters. Yeah. You know, there's so many different things that you could say aren't traditional or following that structure that we know as the 2.4 children. If people hide behind this isn't a traditional family, but neither is the Heartland Fleming Morris family. Yeah. It's so, like, why can't you, you see that mean. with that? Yeah. <laughs> say what you actually mean or don't say anything. Yeah. Else. Well, I was kind of like, should I ask about this? Because I was also thinking like, I don't think Rick is defined by only that part of his life. But at the same time, I feel like it is so important, especially with the fandom and everything. And like, I feel like because people gravitate toward that storyline, like, it should be like lifted up a little bit just so it doesn't get lost in everything else. I thought it was going to just be a part of this character and I didn't I didn't really know where they were going to take him, but that's my wish this upcoming season if it happens that regardless of whatever happens with this mayoral race mm. that they lift the fact of what the fandom are reacting to. What a show is about reading the audience what they're responding to and it's been such a visceral response like it's yeah. not just a, have an opinion on this or yeah i'm indifferent it's i don't have a facebook account mm. but i did have a fake one i don't know any longer because facebook is a wild place mm -hmm. but people are vicious for poor rick adderley so you know i that's my hope that they lift and don't shy away from it. But not in a provocative way. I want them to do it in, again, this is, it's just above our pay grade. It's so hard. Like we can talk about this till it hits nighttime about yeah. what we'd want it to be. And we still wouldn't get it right. And so I do feel bad for the writers because it is such a responsibility. But the good thing is now the show is watched by such a wider demographic. So Facebook peeps who tell us all that Rick is woke you are no longer the majority in Heartland fandoms. I feel like maybe the writers could be like, well, who, why do we need to cater to that? Yeah, because I was also thinking like, we're not going to, well, we talked about this from different aspects, but I, I was also thinking that the conversation doesn't always have to be about the negative because why should the power be given to those who try to tear it down? That's instead I still of, do. Yeah. So Instead of, you know, someone seeing themselves in Rick and being like, oh my gosh, like this character and like, I, 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 I yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I just wanted to maybe speak for the people who feel like, okay, these people around me are attacking this person or this character and like, should I sort of, you know, reel back, in, you know? Right instead of being like proudly who they are and seeing that you know you're so right with the way that you said that it's it's about reframing i'm telling others to reframe their lens mm. i definitely need to reframe mine 
because I say that I'm reframing all the time, but I've straight away gone into the negative of <laughs> negative comments and yeah. fixing on that. But it is such a big issue that you can't ignore. But then it's having that power over your own thoughts of redirecting it into, no, but this is a positive. Regardless of that, this is representation on our screens, whether it's big or small, somebody somewhere watching that will see that and it will have a positive affirming relationship to them and to themselves and understanding themselves. You know, we really have to bring ourselves back to that. And I'm saying it out loud so that I believe it myself as well. Because it, it's, um, it's for those people as well, like screw the others, but it's like, here, have this like lovely representation and enjoy it in right. my mind at least. And I think that's the sad thing about last season. I didn't appreciate that as much because there was so much negativity. So I'm hoping if, I keep saying hoping if it goes on, but hoping if it goes on this season that I need to retrain or refocus my thought process of the positive. Yeah, but it's, but, you know, it's hard because you always, like, in general, like, people focus on the negative because it's, you know, it's like an attack. So, of course, you're, like, shielding yourself from that. But at the same time, it's like, who am I really doing this for? Like, I've never been one who would wave a flag mm. or go to a pride march. You know, anything like that. I've never been that person because I've always either hid or assimilated to the norm mm. and tried to fit in. This year has been the first time where I've been like, I might get a flag because I, for the first time, understood what it means to stand up and say, I'm proud of who I am. And I've never understood that until being on Heartland. So in a way, thank you to all the bigots because it's made me maybe see some of that internalized homophobia and work through it and understand yeah. there's nothing shameful about existing and being authentic in who we are and who we are born as. Mm. So, you know, thank you. Thank you very, very much. I hope you learn as much as I have. I mean, it's nice to hear, <laughs> even though it's, you know, coming from that place, but it's like right. when you're challenged and you kind of have to be like face to face with those like internalized stuff or yeah. whatever. You just have to kind of be like, before I talk to these people, I have to, you know, understand what's going on in my mind. It is well, my mum would always say, bless her, she would always be like, she'd always use the mindset of, I accept you, it's fine, but just don't like throw it in people's faces. Or, mm. and as the years have gone on, I've realized like that isn't right either like what's wrong with and she has got so much better with this as yeah well. but it's a process oh, for family friends everyone like every so, article that's come out she's she at first she'd be like why does it say the first lgbt what if auntie thingy sees this at first i was a bit like oh do it. and now i'm like bring it on yeah, yeah that is me <laughs> yeah I put it on my tombstone honey yeah that's me <laughs> i i just wanted to say that i've seen the positive too and i you know hope you see that too so yeah <laughs> and that's all for this week please come back next week and continue this series with me until then keep your noses clean and your butter dry as they say bye